What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Before you mash that fast forward button to move to the beginning of today's episode, I'd like to quickly tell you about some ways you can support the show and everything that I'm doing right now. You can support the show on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Again, just go on over to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Become a patron for as little as $5 a month. Or you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. It's incredibly important with the way iTunes works. So if you have a second, please leave a rating and or review and subscribe on iTunes. Uh, You can listen to the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts. You can check out chasethomaspodcast.com. That is all my previous episode, a link to my newsletter, and all my articles that I've written. Uh, You can also follow me on Twitter at Chase double underscore Thomas. You can like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer, or you can just tell a friend you found this independent sports podcast that they should check out too. Thank you for listening. You're all the best. And I think we've reached the point in this intro where my uncle Darren can play me in. All right, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, My nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, on the line right now, somebody that I have watched on my television for almost 20 years now. It's going to make him feel old, but it's just the way it is. WCW legend Raven is on the line. What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm good. It's the holiday, and I get to talk to one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Like It's a, it's a good day. Thank you. That means a lot. Thank you very much. So you are a busy man these days. You're doing the Raven Effect podcast. How is that going? That's really that's really my favorite thing to do. It's so much fun. Me, um, my best friend, uh, one of my best friends, he lives in California in Los Angeles. He's a screenwriter, and so we started doing the podcast. And uh, so now we don't even talk to each other during the week. We basically just save our conversation for the air mm-hmm. and talk about the same. And more or less, we talk about the same stupid stuff on the podcast that we would. You know, we were just calling each other on the phone. So, you know, but, you know, we, uh, of course we, we make it, take it to a next level because it's, you know, it's entertainment. Yeah. But, uh, you know, but it's really cool. I, I'm having a blast doing it. It's, it's silly. It's ridiculous. It's provocative. It's bizarre. It's fun. Mostly it's just fun. You know, it's just, I, my, my goal is like, um, is to make sure that everything tries to be funny. Like, you know, that's the bottom, that's the key point for everything is, is you know no matter how um serious anything might possibly get which isn't often um we find a way to make it funny in the in the same respect what made you want to get into podcasting i know basically every wrestler now has a podcast with uh jericho and stone cold leaving leading the charge but uh what specifically intrigued you about the medium well i always wanted to do talk radio okay when i was done wrestling that was always my goal to do talk radio and um and I didn't really have any avenues to it. And then, um, and then Jericho called me and asked me if I wouldn't mind being on his network. Like he started his own network of podcasts. And, um, and so I was like, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it kind of worked out perfectly. 
So what is your relationship with Jericho like these days? Um, we're friends. I mean, you know, we don't, we don't talk often, but, um, but, but we're friends in the sense, we're, we're really good friends in the sense that when we see each other, it's like, we just saw each other yesterday. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to stay in communication, you know? Yeah. It's like, you know, it, he's so busy with his life. I'm busy with my life. Um, and, and to be honest, I'm not a big phone person. So I don't talk to people. I don't talk to stay in touch with hardly anybody. You know, I, I'll text a few people. But for the most part, if I'm if I'm home, I want to be home. I spent 30 years on the road, you yeah. know, so I want to be home. I want to watch TV. I want to read books, um, you know, and entertain myself and be a hermit. What are you reading and watching you know, right now? What am I reading and watching? Uh, tons of stuff. Um, I'm wait. I can't wait for tonight. Well, I don't know when this will air, but uh, the finale of the Twelve Monkeys is on tonight. Okay, because it's Friday. Well, I mean, no, I'm not tonight. I mean, um, uh, Friday it is. Okay, so what's today? Wednesday. Today is Wednesday. Yeah, so in two days. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that Friday. Um, also, I'm looking forward to the pay per view, um, the UFC pay per view, okay. with Cormier and Michael Stipe Miocic. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm not a big UFC uh, guy. Ah, it's the best. The best. So more than pro wrestling for you. You know, I don't even watch pro wrestling anymore. Really? It's weird. Nothing. Um, yeah. I never thought I would fall out of love with her, but it's like, you know, she was a fickle mistress for so many years. Mm-hmm. And and now I, it's like I stopped watching around 2000 when, when the when the business really got really like it went it went to as good as it's ever been. And then it fell to as bad as it's ever been. And, and there's, there's other reasons too, but I just also partially I'm a completist, so I'd have to watch everything and it's just too much to watch. You know, like I'd hate, I hate missing out. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you're kind of overwhelmed with the amount of content that the WWE is throwing out there these days. It's just like, there's something new every night. It's just too much. And, And not only that, but it used to be, you know, back when I started watching wrestling, you know, there was maybe one good angle a show, you mm-hmm. know, and so you'd have to watch it lead through an hour of TV to find one angle. Then, excuse me. Then when they got the Monday Night Wars, you know, there's two hours of just all great stuff. Then it started becoming three hours, but three hours of, you know, maybe 20 minutes to 40 minutes of good stuff. And I'm like, I, I don't have the kind of time to watch three hours for 20 minutes, you know. So you're saying so you don't want to watch No Way Jose and Mojo Raleigh have segments on Monday Night Raw and Titus Worldwide and everything else just to get to a good Braun Strowman and Kevin Owens segment like this week. Sure. I, I, <laughs> I know. I'm I mean, using I'm a bunch all... of names because you, you don't watch the product anymore. But, uh, yeah, the three-hour Raws uh, are a slog. This. I will say this. I do I do follow it. Like, I do try to keep an eye on what's going on. Like, I... Like I read a newsletter that tells me, you know, somebody sends me with all like the, what goes on because it's still what I do for a living. So I still want to have an idea what's going on, but I, I don't care enough to, to watch it, you know, yeah. but I still love performing, you know, so. So have you watched any of Jericho, though, since he's gone over to New Japan no. and done none of that? Okay. Yeah, you know, but I, I keep thinking that one of these days I'm gonna, mm-hmm. um, Especially that there's that one match I was supposed to that somebody keeps everybody keeps saying was like a seven star match out of five stars, which I don't <laughs> even know how that's possible. Yeah, like how can you have a seven star match? You know, it just doesn't even make any sense. That's like that's like I'm going to give 120. percent You can only give 100. percent I mean, that's all there is. Mm-hmm. But anyway, but that was like uh, so I, I keep thinking I'm going to watch one of those, but I, I'll never get around to it. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're honest about it. I didn't. 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm totally honest with you. Who am I kidding? I'm I'm a I'm lazy and you know uh I'm so lazy it's ridiculous. <laughs> Um, I was gonna ask you what your who your favorite wrestler was these days to that you're interested in, but I'm gonna go ahead and uh, drop that question. My favorite wrestler as a kid, though, my yeah. favorite wrestler as a kid was Chief J Strongbow because he used to go into war dance like he'd get beat up and then he'd go in this war dance and make this Superman comeback, and it was so exciting. Okay. Um, but and, and I'll tell you who I think is the greatest wrestler I've ever seen. And okay. And that's a, if you if you if you exclude all this stuff in the last fifteen years, Uh-oh. the last twenty years, uh, Jerry Lawler. He uh, before that is stuff Jerry in Memphis. Jerry Lawler. I'm telling you, you oh can't go God. by his last twenty years in WWE. But if you watch his stuff in Memphis, where he was the king, he was the greatest worker ever. The most creative, the most brilliant. He could talk people into the seats. He had the most original stuff. I mean, he did so many amazing things that you would never believe by watching the Jerry Lawler and WWE. But if you watch old Memphis tapes, you'll, you'll just be blown away. I mean, you really will. I, I've never seen it, but now you have me intrigued. I didn't know about this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Lawler was, a Lawler was his, in Memphis and in, in Tennessee and in Memphis, especially Memphis. He's bigger than Hulk Hogan is. Yeah. I mean, he's that biggest star there. They, they, their TV show, their wrestling show, used to draw like a 60 rating. Mm-hmm. Think about that, a 60 rating. 60% of the people that were watching TV at that time were watching wrestling. I don't think that's the case anymore. No, it's not no. the case anywhere. It's never it's the highest rating there's ever been for wrestling ever. But that was, that was in the 70s and yeah. the early 80s. So you mentioned Hogan. What was it like working with Hogan in WCW? I didn't really know him. I mean, yeah. he, he didn't really, he hung out with his own group. I mean, everybody hangs out in cliques, sort of, you yeah. know, like or um, the underneath guys, the, the enhancement guys hang out together. The, the town, the, you know, the mid talent hangs out with the mid talent, the top town hangs out with the top town. You know, it's just, and it's also because that's who you're working with. Yeah. So it's, you know, so it, you know, so it's not that it's, Everybody respects everybody, but it's just, you know, you break off into your groups. Referees hang out with referees, you know. Huh. So who were you hanging out with then? Billy Kidman, guys like that, or? Yeah, me and Canyon and Saturn. Yeah. You know, mostly me and, me and Saturn rode everywhere together. We did everything together. Really? What was he like? Yeah. Great guy. He's, he's doing really badly now. In fact, let me give you his GoFundMe campaign, because he's doing really bad. He's got CTE. Um. Uh, I think that's what it is, isn't it? Oh, CT, no. the brain thing. Yeah, yeah. And he can't work, and because he, he's like, he'll, uh, he's he's really in bad shape. But um, his his GoFundMe campaign is GoFundMe dot com forward slash Perry Saturnalia S A T U R N A L I A, and uh, yeah, I mean he's he's trying to get disability from the government, and uh, he's waiting to find out about that. And uh, yeah, it's it's just it's re- he's in really bad shape. Oh man! Because you know all the all the bumps and beatdowns and bruises and stuff. Sorry to hear that. Um, what was it like working in uh, ECW in the '90s? What were some things that uh, people might be surprised to know about how ECW was during that time period? Well, if you if you passed the drug if you passed the drug test, you were fired. <laughs> <laughs> Is that true for everybody? No, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. no but basically, it, we, we, it was a it was a whole 
everybody was stoned, drunk, coked up, pilled up, something. I mean, we were, we, they all thought they were the renegades. We were the renegades, you know? I mean, Paul, Paulie did the smartest thing anybody's ever done is he convinced everybody that it's a team sport and wrestling should be, it should be a team sport. Cause to me, like the promoter should be there to encourage everybody. You know, the booker should be there to encourage everybody, but instead everybody's, it's always everybody's against each other because they, they, the promoters pit everybody against each other. So that way they, they stay in control, but they'd stay in control. It, it's like you can be a general and you can either be loved or you can be feared. And most go for fear. Paulie went for loved and he was just a great coach. You know, I mean, he made a, he made it us, the ECW against the world and all the guys, I was the only regular in the, in the crew that had never been anywhere. I mean, that had been somewhere. Everybody else had no, none of them had ever been anywhere. So they didn't know that the business wasn't like that. They thought the business, you know, they just, when they left, like all the guys that would leave and they'd come and they'd go away, they'd go, wait a minute, this isn't like ECW. Why isn't it like a team thing, you know, like a group, you know, we're all together, but that's the way Paulie made it. He was so smart. So do, you were a big fan of Paul Heyman when you, he was in ECW. No, enormous fan. Enormous fan. I, I think it's the best work I've ever done. Um, I think he helped me um, so much. I think it's the best, some of the best stuff he's ever done, you know, was the stuff with, with me. I, I just think we just, we totally, our visions were so similar for, uh, for wrestling. Did you ever see Rob Van Dam as a top guy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But a totally different way though. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's never been allowed to be the top guy. Like, because in his mind, Okay, because no one sees it this way, but it, but just because it's not the norm doesn't mean it doesn't work. But like in the promos, like if some guy, you know, uh, attacked him, you know, he wouldn't get all mad. That's not him. He'd be like, all right, well, now I'm going to get you back. Yeah. And people were like, oh, you can't like, I mean, Paulie thought it could draw money, but, you know, WWF doesn't see it that way, I guess, or never saw it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, well, you have to get mad. But he's like, I don't, why, I'm not mad. I'm just going to get even, you know. So he was a very chill, down to earth guy. Good guy to work with. Right. Yeah, just a, he's a great guy, you know. And 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 you know, I used to think, you know, I used to think at first that you know that there was a point to it that you know maybe you know you should be angry, but no, but not if you know his character and and that's why people like him because he's so cool that it doesn't even affect him. You know he what I mean? The Jeff Hardy <clears throat> thing where there's something just naturally likable about the character where yeah. the best pro wrestling gimmicks are ones that just feel genuine and it feels like that's who they really yeah. are. And that's why Raven works so well for you is to just when it feels like there's a lot of truth to what they're saying and truth to just the character they're presenting on TV being real. And that's why the Roman Reigns character just doesn't work is we just can't get a read on if that's the real guy, if it's not. And it's just easier for the wrestler to work every week, knowing that there's a little bit of themselves in every promo and every in ring work and everything else and the psychology that goes into it. It does seem like RVD and Jeff Hardy benefit from that the most where it's like what you see on screen is really how they are off screen. And, and that's endearing, I think, to a lot of fans. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a slight difference though, in the sense that, that our, that Rob is, Rob is more of a tough guy and Jeff is more sympathetic. Yeah. I would agree. They're that, both. They're yeah. both. They're both insane in, as far as what they'll do to 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 exact pain on an opponent, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's kind of like okay, like remember Mikey Whipwreck and yep. uh, remember him? Yeah. 
So him and him and like him and X Pac were or not well before he was X Pac when he was one two three kid were always compared to one another. But there's a huge difference. One two three kid was fearless, whereas Mikey was terrified. Yeah. So I always found I found the Mikey character way more intriguing. Uh, and not I, who Sean became when he became X Pac. You know when he when he became much more he became much more interesting. But as the one two three kid, I thought, well the kid's fearless, so it's not as it's not as courageous what he's doing. But what 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 uh mikey is doing is so courageous because he's terrified yeah and and that made it, that made him more endearing yeah. more endearing to you okay so he's like the neville Longbottom. but but then again sean <laughs> but sean x-pac realized that along the way i mean you know but he was only he'd only been in the business a couple of years uh, i mean he, not that he well that's a that's a very confusing story but i mean he built a ring in his backyard when he was like 13 but you know he'd only really been in the big leagues for like you know that was his first cup of coffee so it's different yeah um, who did you enjoy working for the most? Which company? It sounds like it's ECW, but if it wasn't ECW, what would be the number two? ECW in Portland. Okay. How come? I loved Portland. You were home every night. The drives were short. It was a great town to live in and to party in. Um, really, a really cool city. Uh, you know, so it's urban. Um, but then you you know you go sixty miles one way you're at the ocean go sixty miles the other way you're at the top of a, a mountain to go skiing you know it had everything it has every other than the fact that it rains all the time <laughs> not a fan of the rain um, well you you wouldn't be either if it rained every day I mean it lit the first year I was there it literally rained every single day so it just wears um, on you yeah that's why the suicide rate's so high in the Pacific Northwest yeah um, if you joined Albert and HBK at the performance center as a coach, what would you try and impress on the young guys there? What are some things that you think that is missing in today's wrestling world? What are some things that you would work with younger guys on of like, Hey, this matters. This mattered 20 years ago. I promise this is something that you have to learn. You have to be good at if you're going to succeed in this business. The two things that I always say are psychology and selling. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter when, where, pick any time in the business and psych selling can always be improved and psychology can always be improved. I mean, and those are the two most important things, you know, I mean, other than you want to be clever and creative, um, you know, you want to be original, but you want to have psychology and you want to learn how to sell. I mean, if you can sell, you can look at the road dog. The road dog was one of the most over guys ever who did nothing, but Hey, had one signature move with a, the shimmy, shimmy shuffle and the, in the punches. Yep. And then he'd sell. That's all he did. He was, all he did was get beat up and sell. And he was over like mad. You know? Yeah. Selling is selling is so easy. It's democratic. Everybody can do it. There's no skill to it. I mean, there's a skill to it, but there's no... You don't need to have a level of athleticism to do it. You know? Who do you think was the best at selling during your day? Um, during my day? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> the, uh, I don't know. Um, let me think. Um, probably not Goldberg. Dreamer, Dreamer was, no, not Goldberg. But uh, <laughs> Dreamer was a great seller. Dreamer yeah, was tremendous. That's now, a good pick. Now he's a, now my only problem with him is now he's so he's become like a caricature of himself. You know, like he, like he's he's done it so many times, and now he's he's like he's uh he's a little bigger than life now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like almost like he overacts now. Which, 
which is fine because all he does is house shows, really. You know, I mean, so, I haven't you know, seen when any I of his work in a while, so I can't really speak to it. Um, I have not seen Dreamer and work in a. It's been years now since. Uh, I guess when he reappeared at that TNA show a couple of years ago, where they came back. Um, but then I think they briefly came back with Rhino know. and a couple other guys on WWE television, maybe two years ago. I feel like that sounds right. Um, but yeah, it's it's sporadic for him. So I haven't really seen much of him these days. So yeah, I mean, well, like, I, I, oh, only see, I only I only see him when I wrestle with him, you know, or at a show. I'm at. But the um, but yeah, but I mean, but that, that's just being nitpicky, you know. Yeah. But it, it's selling is tremendous. I mean, you know, you really felt that he was in pain, that he was hurt, you know. I mean, that's the you know, Ricky Morton, you know, um, Barry Windham. It's it, it's almost a shame Barry Windham was so big because. If he would have been a little smaller, like if he would have been like a normal height, like six two, six one, six foot, you know, he would have been, he could have been like a perennial world champion type. You know what I mean? But like yeah. at six five, six six, he was almost too big for the for the spot. You know what I mean? When you saw Jericho work in the cruiserweight division, and everything else, did you know pretty early on that he was going to be a star once he moved on? Yeah. And, okay. So it's yeah. pretty clear. Yeah, I mean, he's just really intelligent really creative um and just you know just his desire you know yeah so he was someone at a young age you just knew like he had the passion he was like i'm i'm gonna make this work i'm gonna be a superstar one day you know let me go back to to the wyndham thing Mm -hmm. more so than wyndham my i guess the better example of that point would be the undertaker yeah he's 610 so he was so he's always in the creature feature match you know with all the giants and all the big guys and all that kind of stuff but if he would have been six four, he would have been the he would have been the Shawn Michaels or the Ric Flair of the uh, of the nineties and two thousands. Huh. Yeah, he was that good a worker, but he was so big that it actually worked against him bizarrely. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I think because they needed to have him in the creature feature matches, they needed him to fight all the giants, you know, and freaks, you know. But he actually could work like crazy, you know. Yeah. So his his size worked against him. Wyndham not as much so. I think Wyndham. Was uh, I think Wyndham just tended to leave when uh, when he wasn't happy or when he wanted to go home. I think that's why they didn't. He wasn't. Um, I don't know. I don't actually know why he wasn't the perennial world champion like Flair was. But I mean, Wyndham had all the talent, though. I mean, what a seller he was. You know, especially for a guy his size. Yeah. I'm a big mark for Wyndham. Um, which wrestler? It sounds like it might be Wyndham to answer this question. But which wrestler from? The 90s, early 2000s, do you think you always thought was like, this guy is really talented, but they're just, they never got a fair shake and they never got the right moment. It's just for a variety of reasons, it just never happened for them. But you always me. thought they should have been me. You? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I felt like that was me. But, you know, taking myself out of it, um, Stevie Richards should have been much more than he was. Stevie really? Richards is so talented. Okay. Yeah. It's so talented. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he was really good. I mean, um, I saw him at a Ring of Honor show a couple of years ago, and yeah, man, he can he can still go. He's still in insane shape. Yeah, but he was he was so great at getting heat too. I mean, you just wanted to you look at him and you just want to punch him in the face. <laughs> that is uh that's a good thing to have. Um, Stevie Richards, I was not a, a, a I was not going to guess that. Well, no, I mean, you know, I'm not I'm not saying he was going to be the main eventer, but. But he was a guy that was highly underrated. I mean, yeah. extremely underrated. Um, as far as a guy who should have been a world champion, um, 
Well, Lawler, I mean, Lawler was everything in Memphis, but I mean, when they brought him into New York, they brought him in, you know, differently. You know, they didn't use him the way that he still could work, you know? Yeah. But, uh, but no, I guess, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't really think about it much. I mean, I, yeah. I really don't think about wrestling too often. You know, this is about the most wrestling I'll think of for the next month and a half, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Unless I got to do another podcast. Oh, you know? well, maybe we'll come back a month and a half. I'll give you the update of what's going on in professional wrestling, and you can uh, elaborate on whether or not any of this makes sense to you uh, in today's <laughs> wrestling climate. That could be uh, the future of the Raven Effect and the Chase Thomas podcast, the partnership. But, uh, but let, me, let me tell you who I think, who I think um, probably the best worker of them all, though. I mean, besides Lawler, was Jake Roberts. Oh, okay. Yeah, his psychology was unbelievable. I mean, the the amount of creativity he put into stuff, his thought, he was so believable, you know? That's the thing about Lawler. Lawler was so believable as a badass. Like, you'd never know it by his character in WWE. But if you watch him in Memphis, like, you believed that Lawler could beat up all these guys, you know, like mm-hmm. Hogan, all the because everybody went through Memphis at some point, and Lawler's beaten everybody, from Andre the Giant to Hulk Hogan to whoever. Yeah. He's beaten everybody. But he was believable. That's the crazy thing. You know, he's not a big guy either, you know? Yeah. He's... But Jake Roberts, he's totally believable. I, I mean, love... you know, but he... Man, I love that we're doing this because now I'm going to go back and check out some Lawler stuff, some Wyndham stuff. Man, these are guys that I never really would have thought of in that light. But, um, yeah, this is this is fascinating. Do you have, like, a favorite WCW or ECW story that uh, you love to tell? Um... I got a lot of them. Uh, I'm trying to think of one that I haven't told in a while because I, you know, I, I do enough podcasts and I do my own show. And so, yeah. you know, I tell them, I tend to tell a lot of stories and I tend to repeat them, you know, cause I forget which ones I told where, but, um, the, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, the, uh, I'm trying to think of a good one. Uh, you call me at a bad time. I'm, well, we're getting ready to go out. We're getting ready to leave. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I wanted to make sure I fit this in. So, uh, now I'm thinking about my plans for the day as opposed to thinking of the story. Cause... <laughs> it's all good. Well, we can move on to something else while you, uh, think about that for a second. How did you get? Oh, your... I'll, t- I'll tell you a good story. I'll tell you a good story though. Okay. Um, so, so the, uh, I was in a, this is actually from Florida championship wrestling. And so we're, we're wrestling at some show. And there's like a there's like a bathroom with a shower in it. So this this is how this is how funny this, how goofy this business is. So I get out, so Mike Graham was showering before me, and he gets out of the shower and he goes, Ah, there's no hot water left, kid. And I'm like, Oh crap. <laughs> oh well. So I get in, I take a cold shower. He's like, He goes, How was it? I go, oh, It's terrible. He goes, There was hot water, you idiot. I just told you there wasn't. <laughs> I'm like, Oh my god, I'm such a dummy. <laughs> But that, that, and then so, like, that's the way the business is. Like, yeah. the, the boys just, we listen to each other. So, like, the, um, like, uh, or like, the, so to take that as a, as an, as a beginning, as a, like your most basic rib. Mm. And then it goes on from there to, to like, in, in the Portland locker room one day, uh, I came in the locker room and I saw, uh, Fidel Sierra tying everybody's, uh, like, cause it was, you know, wintertime. So they had long sleeve shirts, tying their shirt sleeves in knots. Do you ever try and get you ever tie a shirt in a knot, tie a sleeve in a knot and try and get it out? It is impossible. I mean, it takes forever. <laughs> yeah. So he was tying everybody's shirt sleeves in knots. And then he, then I saw him and he's like, watch this kid. 
because, you know, I was still green. So, you know, you, they take you under their wing. And so he tied his in knots, too, but his were really soft knots. But you couldn't tell the difference. Yeah. So then, then we sat in the locker room and waited for guys to come back, and people were getting changed. They're like, oh, man, who tied my shirt in a knot? And then Dave goes, Fidel Sierra goes, yeah, who tied mine? And Because he tied his in a knot, too, because to trick everybody else that he didn't do it to them, and except he tied his real soft. So while everybody's struggling with his, he's pretending to struggle – Eventually, somebody gets hit, theirs out, so he finally unloosens his, which took no effort whatsoever. That's great. That's brilliant. And then from there, of course, it expands to to uh, Johnny Valentine uh, um, on a plane. I guess he gave uh, X-Lax to Haystacks Calhoun, who's like 600 pounds. And uh, so, uh, so, so then he has to go to the bathroom, but he can't fit in the bathroom in the, on an airplane. So they have to go, go to the back, close the curtains, and he just sits and got a hefty bag. And had him shit in a hefty bag <laughs> and think the plane out. So, you know, so some ribs backfire. Some ribs you have to take your, you have to rib yourself to pull the rib off. That's amazing. Um, so, yeah. I, so that, that's my favorite so that, that, song. That, oh, go ahead. No, so I was just going to say, so that's kind of like, you know, it's as simple as there's no hot water left, you know, and there's plenty of hot water left, you know, but you just listen because you just expected, why would somebody lie about that? Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, to the extreme, you know, of X-laxing somebody, you know, who can't fit in, a, in an airplane bathroom and he has to shit in a hefty bag in the curtain while the curtain's closed in the back. And everybody in the back of the plane is just is just think it just smells and it's awful and it's rotten and humiliating. Oh, it's terrible. Man, how did you get your WCW theme song? How did that come about? Because it was it was great. It's one of my first early wrestling memories, and um, I, I came up with it actually. Okay. Um, so Jimmy Hart let me produce it, so I was like, I was like, you know, start with "Come as You Are," yeah. the guitar riff from "Come as You Are" by Nirvana. I go and then get the guitar riff, the guitar riff from uh, "That Smell" by Leonard Skinner. Huh. Yeah. So if you listen to it, it's, it's that smells guitar lick when it goes. Yeah. You know, whenever. Yeah, you, know, you don't want me doing an version of it because I can't sing, but you know, you get it. Yeah, that was great. What made you uh, start doing the sitting in the corner that became a staple of your wrestling psychology? How did that come about? Were you just like spitballing ideas, or was that like a natural thing? How did that come up? Um, I basically, I I got the idea because my my character would be so disaffected by things. I, I always I always played with the idea of like sit of stand like how I stayed in the corner for all my other characters, you know, like what, whether he would, you know, um, whether he would just stand there nonchalantly, whether he would be bouncing around, whether he'd be tugging on the ropes, because even when you're doing nothing, you got to be doing something. Yep. Cause you want, you want all eyes on you. And then, um, and I remember Jake Roberts used to slither around and he'd slither into the corner and pull himself up. And I thought, man, that's pretty cool. What if I make that and I'll just slither and I'll just sit in the corner and just stay there? And I thought, that's good. And then I thought, and it also worked because I'm lazy. So I was like, oh, this works out perfect. That's interesting. Um, a couple more questions. But, but I, wanted it, oh, I wanted it to come across, I wanted it to come across as, as if I was, um, as if I didn't give a shit. You know Mission what I mean? Mission accomplished. If, you know, I, yeah, well, that was the goal. So, yeah. I mean. And I also wanted people to wonder, why is he sitting in the corner? Why is he so disaffected? Yeah. Why is he so, you know? And I think it worked. It just, I, I think it, it it was just different. And I think that's why I love the Raven character so much, is it just, with the way 
everything was in pro wrestling during that time and just the flock stuff came later but like the raven stuff man like it just it worked and it was something that you had to see it was different it wasn't hulk hogan it wasn't nash it wasn't goldberg it wasn't any of these other guys not even glacier like it was just it was different and cool and you were like i could see this guy being a world champion one day like this all works i i understand this i I like where this is going well you know my whole thing was clever creative and self yeah psychology you know i mean that's all raven did is he get beat up now he got beat up and he took everything everybody gave him, and then he'd still win somehow. So it just made him tougher, you know, even though he was getting his ass kicked. But he always came back from it, you yeah. know. So which, which is dangerous, because then you start to become light. Yeah. You know, so you have to do things. You have to show your ass, is what we call it. You have to show your ass in a way that shows that you really are a jerk, a, a, a coward, a de- deceitful, you know. Whatever the heelish quality you're trying to portray. And so I would always have to do something... I would let myself start to get liked and they start to like me and then I would do something despicable and then they would hate me again, you know? Yeah. Last, I'll, I, we're going a little long, so I want to give, uh, just get a couple more questions in here before we go. Uh, but you can answer these as quickly as you would like. I know you, uh, it's a busy day today. Um, what is, uh, <laughs> first, would you have gotten into pro wrestling now, like today, if you knew what you did now, like 30 years ago, would you have gotten into this business if you knew what all would come of it? I have no idea because I hate to, to you know to powder out of the question, but I, I don't know because I don't know. I couldn't even imagine being 23 now. Yeah. You know, I can't imagine starting my life now. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah. Cause you went to college first, you, know, you got I, your I'm degree to, and everything else. And then you went to pro wrestling. You didn't start at like 18, yeah, 17. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I got my college degree. I, went, I did six years in Marine Corps reserves, but I did yeah. the last uh, the last two years of reserves. I was in, I was I was in the business, but um, <clears throat> but I can't imagine being 23 now with what I know and what I've seen and what I've done. I I, I don't know how I would go back and start all over again. I mean, I, I just I can't even imagine it. So I can't even imagine that question. You yeah. know, um, what is your favorite promo, either by you or somebody else, in, during your pro wrestling days? Um, my favorite one by me was one in, um, in a bathroom in uh, somewhere. And, uh, it's, it's a, it's a really long promo. It's like eight minutes, I think. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I quote, uh, from, uh, 1979 by Billy Corgan, uh-huh. uh, who I ended up becoming good friends with. You were um, in video with him, but, right? A couple of years ago. Yeah. 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 yeah and then I also helped him, uh, with his uh, promotion that he ran for a while yeah. before this promotion. But, um, yeah, but so that was that promo. I forget. I think it was in Boston or somewhere. But the uh, and I had a beer bottle. I remember in my hand, and uh, I was really distraught. But I can't remember what the verbiage exactly. But uh-huh. and then some of my favorite promos were around that time were also from Cactus Jack. I think he cut some of the best promos I've ever heard. Huh. Um, when uh, when he was uh, when he was like my in my under my spell in WC and I mean in ECW. Yeah. When, uh, you know, and, and I thought, you know, this whole promos about Uncle Eric and stuff like that and uh, and King Dewey. And uh, I thought those were some of the best promos I ever heard. You know, and then, of course, there's, you know, all the dusty classics, you know, and then Jake Roberts, you know, every, pretty much any any promo Jake Roberts gives is top shelf, you know. Yeah, I would agree. Last question, then we'll go. Um, I know you're a big comic book and graphic novel guy. This is a two parter. Right now, what is your favorite graphic novel? And part two, do you think the Watchmen TV show on HBO is going to be good? 
All right. Um, I didn't know they were doing a Watchmen yeah, TV Damon show. Yeah, Damon Lindelof, which... the guy who did the leftovers and Lost and everything else. Yeah, he's apparently doing that on HBO. Well, I think it's better as a, t- as a TV show than um, – I think The Sandman should be a TV show. I think that – people always say make The Sandman into a movie. You should make it into a TV show, an HBO series. I always thought that would be perfect. Because, okay. you know, you could do like one story an episode, you know, or two stories an episode. And then, you know, was it like 78 finite issues or 80-something? Something like that, yeah. Exactly. Um, my favorite um, graphic novel or uh, trade paperback, um, I, it, changes every, it changes week to week. Um, I, I stopped reading comics more or less though in 2010. Mm. I think that's when it was when 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 DC changed the universe for the millionth time, but they really fumbled it up good, um, or fumbled it up badly. And uh, and I just man, I spent like 50 bucks a week at the comic book store. I was just I got 30,000 comics. I got no place for them. I have a whole storage unit devoted to them. Oh wow! And I'm just like, yeah. and I hadn't read a book at that point in 10 years because of all the comic books I'd read. So I'm just like, you know what? And and also there was now there was good TV coming out you know, all the time. So I had no time for TV because I'm always reading comics. And I just was like, you know what? It's time to stop being addicted to them and stop reading them. So, you know, I'll read one here and there occasionally. But my, um, you know, you can always go with the Sandman is probably the best series ever. Um, you know, just get the trade paperbacks. Um the uh, I thought as far as a universe, I thought the Wildstorm universe was probably the most interesting though. Um, okay. Which, well, I, I mean, there's so much creative stuff they did, you know, and so much they packed into it. I, I really thought I really enjoyed that. Um, I think Warren Ellis is probably my favorite creator. Mm-hmm. Um, I, oh, you know, Planetary, Planetary, I'll pick is my favorite book. Okay. There you go. All right, man. This is this has been great. I really appreciate you taking the time today to do this. This was a um, this is a treat for me. So I really appreciate it. We can listen to you on the Raven Effect podcast on Westwood One. We can uh, follow you on Twitter at the Raven Effect. Is there anything else you'd like to get out there before we go? Uh, you can join my Patreon account and pay me money for doing nothing. Definitely do that. Yeah. No, we don't do nothing. We don't do nothing. We do. We actually the Patreon's pretty cool. We do a pre before the podcast. We you know we do our production meeting, and after the podcast, we do our post production meeting, and we we air those on the uh, on Patreon as well as the podcast. And uh, which I mean, your podcast you can just listen to on Westwood anywhere on Westwood One, iTunes, whatever. But but the pre and the post podcast you can only listen to on Patreon. And we uh, then I put like three items up a week, um, you know, like stuff that you know that I wouldn't normally go like stuff like I talk about with you, I'll put up there, you know, that I wouldn't normally talk about because it's a, uh, I figure they get, they deserve something different if they're going to actually pay money to, for my, uh, for content, you know? Yeah. But all right. Um, all right. Well, this has been great, man. I really appreciate it uh, again. And, uh, let's talk again soon, man. All right, cool. Thanks. Thanks, man. All right, welcome to the Chase Thomas Podcast. We're recording this on a Thursday afternoon, and Eric Brady of RBR Wrestling is here. And Eric, did you catch Chad Gable versus Mike Kanellis on main event last week? What a match. Oh, 
Yeah, I mean, perfect for the 4th of July. Mm. Chad Gable, the Olympic hero. And you didn't watch main event, did you? Come on. I did watch that match on main event. I have not watched main event in probably like four years. But I was just curious because I go through this like profightdb.com, I think is the site, where it has like all the results of like every wrestling promotion. And I just like to see the randomness of main event sometimes because it's a hodgepodge so like cruiserweights are on the show sometimes there's sometimes a random women's division match from either smackdown or raw and it's just i i want to know who puts this together and like if they just pick it out of a hat but like mike canellis is back and i didn't know he was back so i was just genuinely interested and in, he like never left right they just took him off tv because yeah, I mean, like he maria reintroduced to tvs I, I guess they're waiting yeah. on maria right yeah like, they're not they're not going to bring him back without her but he's nobody cares about him it's not a dark match it's on I mean, the network, and he's just having matches. That's a dark match. That's true. He has a good uh, jacket now with Maria's face in the back of it. <laughs> oh, his career is looking up then. Yeah. Uh, he's got a cool jacket. It worked for Cody. He looks great. Like, Canellis looks better than he did even a year ago. But, uh, yeah, Chad Gable versus Mike Canellis is what you can look forward to on main event matches these days. Yeah, no one's going to watch him, though, so. No. Um. Are you buying... So, I, I feel like since you and I are both big Alexa Bliss fans, who, by the way, I don't think she was on... I guess she was on Raw for a brief moment this week because she walked uh, Mickey James to the ring in her match yeah. with Nia Jax. That match happened at least seven times in 2018, right? It's also like Mickey James has this role now where it's just like, hey, we only need you on TV when Alexa Bliss like needs a second person. Otherwise, you can go home for four months and be with your family. Which is a good deal for her. Yeah, but when it's like, Rhonda has a friend in Natalia. Nia Jax has a friend in Natalia. It's always Natalia. Yeah. Then they're like, I guess you need somebody too. I guess, Mickey. She's not doing anything. People might remember her. It's not. I mean, it's just not good. But I mean, with only three hours a week, how are you going to fit four women on the show? That's real tough. I can see why they take. they have to cycle. Yeah. Uh, okay, I have so many thoughts in the Raw Women's Division. But um, so the reason I bring up the Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax stuff, something that I think is interesting is so Nia Jax apparently like liked a comment about basically making some sort of claim about how Alexa Bliss got to the top of the mountain and then immediately unliked it. And her uh, Meltzer, our friend Dave Meltzer, confirmed our that there is friend. real life heat on Nia Jax and my first thought was this is great news because I Nia Jax has been actually bad for several months now and they they just missed the boat with her like it was October of this fall uh, last fall and they didn't capitalize and uh, I mean the Alexa Bliss storyline heading into WrestleMania 34 was okay but the screaming and just we make jokes about like Bailey and Sasha's actors Nia Jax I think is worse and her delivery this week on raw was just as bad. And I just, I don't like it. And she needs a break. So, and the problem I'm now is like, she's she, gone. She can't even back it up by being like a person people like, cause this is not her first like backstage controversy. She had the stuff before where she like went on sabbatical. Cause she was like allegedly supposed to lose a match and didn't want to. Mm-hmm. So she just walked away from the company for a few weeks or months, whatever it was. So to now like, like, if you have heat with somebody, that's fine. That's part of the business. That's nobody's big deal. And then, like, unfriended her on social media, totally fine. Live your life. 
but to like a post that's like basically accusing this girl of sleeping her way to the top of the company by you liking that that's essentially endorsing that to your audience and that i feel like is crossing a line in like social behavior that's acceptable between coworkers. if you're mad at each other that's fine if you're not friends that's fine petty it's just shitty yeah you are making somebody you work with look bad in a very petty way and if you're gonna go down that road you better be damn sure that is the case and it's like one of those things where i don't really buy it um i know paul has been on the case of the buddy murphy alexa bliss romantic partnership (laughs) for like three years now but uh i just you know why she's at the top she's really good at being a professional wrestler she's really good at talking she is fine in the ring but like she is one of the only people in this company right now that you can just hand the microphone to and just be like go do whatever you want we know that you're gonna do the best thing possible like we know we can trust you to put together a compelling promo we know we can trust you to get the crowd either behind you or against you like it's just she's a someone rare... that's just dependable yeah i mean she's like a better version of carmella because carmella has improved a lot on the mic in the last year but carmella is just still very green there's... in the ring but alexa bliss is not she's still like good there's nothing that alexa bliss is the best at like she's not the draw that ronda rousey is she doesn't have the mic skills of carmella she doesn't have the in-ring skills of like a charlotte okay I mean, then maybe close. that would be the one thing she's best at yeah but she has She's nothing she's bad at, though. Exactly. Like, Carmella can't wrestle, but she can talk. Ronda Rousey has star power and can wrestle, but she can't talk. Other people can talk, but they can't. Like, it, it's all you have one or two of the... Like, she... Alexa is the three-tool wrestler right now. And it's just... I, I don't like going after her for that kind of stuff. And I don't like... That. It's just... It It all felt gross. And, uh, yeah. So, Nia Jax, I feel like I'm bullying Nia Jax for this, but um, it's just... I, I'm not into it, and I'm not into the character, and I'm just uh, time away would uh, serve her well, and then a uh, surprise uh, re-debut after SummerSlam with somebody else. I don't, I don't know. She needs something just, else. Just get knocked down a peg, something to make her a little humble in a way to realize that there's a way you have to handle yourself in this business. Like you hear all the stories about like people like Miz having to change in a public restroom for a year because he got like chicken wing grease in someone's bag, like. Yeah. That's going a little too far, but their whole point there, I assume, was to teach him about like locker room decorum and behavior or like not shaking hands with people is a big issue. The problem should be more of like, hey, tonight go change in a bathroom. So you'll like remember like that was embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Don't do it for a year. That's you're being a jerk now. But like Naya just needs to have that little punishment to be like, hey, like you need to learn how to behave in this era of social media that you can't do something like this because everybody's watching there's someone keeping track of everything that all these people are doing on social media like yeah. it comes for us all like um shout out people to people pour over your social media you yeah. might say <laughs> you might say that um how much are you loving this biggie singles push wait there's a biggie singles push I, that's that's the joke eric brady oh so was... i made a note in my notepad uh this week on smackdown because did you notice this, Eric Brady? But there is one member of the New Day who is not wearing the merch. Did oh, yeah. Biggie was in all red. He was. I think that was intentional. I think this is not a subtle company. And I think that that is a conscious decision to start pushing 
the fact that Big E is his own thing and Kingston and Xavier Woods are about to become the secondary figures of the New Day. I think that's uh, what they're strongly hinting at. And then Byron Saxton just not even uh, listing his like accomplishments and all that kind of stuff. I think we're starting to see that, but uh, I, I just I, I don't know where this is going, but. I like the idea of this company doing a 10-minute segment around having a pancake eating contest down to like the guy dressed up as a carnival barker and also trying to weed out the subtlety of somebody's attire. Yes. That's the very wrestling thing to do. That like that is the kind of thing that's believable where they would think of the one thing that they want to get across and then throw together the entire rest of the segment and not realize like, hey, this was actually bad. But it's because we didn't care because all we cared about was that this guy was treated slightly different. Yep. I think that was yeah. Road Dogs in the back. We just got to do a little bit. Just a little taste. A little sliver. We just got to tease it. Yeah. Okay, well, what happens in this segment? <laughs> I don't know yet, but he's dressed different. He has a tank top. He stands. Uh, he doesn't stand right with them anymore. He stands two steps ahead of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then Byron's not even going to reveal his accomplishments. Well, he doesn't have any. Yeah. Um, he has not had a title in a long time outside of the tag team titles. Like, did he even ever have the NXT title? I feel like yeah, he did. He was, he was like before it was really on TV, though. Yeah, and he never won like, the Intercontinental or US. I don't think either, right? No, I think he's only had tag in WWE. Ugh. Okay, well, I'm ready for it. He's still great, but I I'll just say let's continue to monitor his uh merch. Um, decisions over the next couple of weeks. If he stops wearing New Day merch, does he stop getting a cut of their merch sales? Because, oof. Ooh, that is a good question. I don't know. Poor poor guy. That is, uh, that is a thing. Um, when did Daniel Bryan become a better talker than Kane? Uh, well, first off, you're setting the bar like very low. Okay, so it wasn't just me who thought Kane was exceptionally bad on the microphone this week. Oh, no, Kane was hilarious this week. Oh, no, not at all. He would he does like the five second pauses to remember his lines, kind of like Kurt Angle does, but Kurt Angle stumbles over them even after pausing and thinking about what the line is. Kane will do the same pause, but then it will come off like, oh, yeah, that's my line. And Daniel it, Bryan was actually funny. And it was, yeah, oh, yeah, Daniel quick, Bryan was better. And but it was good when they had Kane just doing like the punchlines to all of Daniel Bryan's yes. things. When it would be like, you tried to murder my wife. No, and they'd be pausing. He would just be like, well, I, I only tried. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't kill her. I didn't get away with it. Fair like, point. That was comical for have this seven Is foot demon be like. Duck, but you tried to end my career. You got better. Yeah. Um, a what's up, Kane? Is a classic line from the Usos. I read about them extensively this week. Um, that was refreshing, and I think it was just kind of interesting to see them back in the spotlight on SmackDown because they've had a really rough year following uh, their exceptional 2017 campaign. Like they've still been great this year. They just haven't been present this year. They have had nothing to do. And part of that is um, I think the company was hoping the Bludgeon Brothers would catch on in the same kind of way that the Usos did. Because if you think about it, like, the Luca Harper and Eric Rowan have been a mainstay in the tag team division for uh, five years now, at least something like that. And um, they changed their gimmick and the Usos changed their gimmick last year and it worked. But the thing is um, the Usos can actually talk and compelling promos. And it's, it matches more of who they actually are as people 
And that helps because the best gimmicks in professional wrestling are closely associated with who that wrestler is in real life. And you can actually pull it off when it's like you. Exactly. And you can tell the Usos have fun with it. And it's kind of like who they are in real life. The, the Usos also have like the one of the most impressive gimmick changes I've seen in wrestling where for years they were these like dancing, colorful, paint our face good guys, which was fine. They were popular and then they started to fade. So they turned them into this heel gimmick, which was like very streetwear hype beast type people. And then once that caught on, they were able to become faces that still was that character, which is like actually them. Like you're saying how that's more important. So they managed to go from being these like generic, cartoony, colorful faces to these good guys that are just like still good guys, but actually not fake caricatures anymore. Yep. And by doing it through this being a bad guy, like pivot it had a good swing to it where it felt natural the whole way. And I think whereas the bludgeon brothers character change was like, we wear tank tops and don't talk and are tall to we wear red masks and don't talk and are tall. Yeah. It just doesn't work. And fans don't care. Can I just say the last 10 seconds of SmackDown this week was the worst ending to a WWE show in like the last 10 years. That's why was it necessary? Because the celebration was good. Kane doing the, exclamation mark version of the yes champ was a good way to end the show and then no 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 no. they can't do it that way they can't end the show with fans cheering they have to have the bludgeon brothers come out say nothing don't even run out to attack them or anything point at them promo nothing they just stare at team hell no and team hell no is just standing there too and it's just crickets and it lasts for at least 10 seconds and then and that's that's the like the, the bludgeon show, brothers aren't intimidating enough heels no. to pull that off they're not thanos yeah like that ending easily works if it was a, a good guy coming out say the bad guy won some match to like get a shot at the title or whatever and as they're celebrating the good guy everybody likes comes out on the ramp and the bad guy has that look of like oh right i still have to go through you you'd be like cool that's a good ending yeah or if the like good Chocolate guy won Alistair Black at NXT, t- yeah. whenever that is, it's like three weeks, and then Johnny but like, Gargano comes the, out. If downstairs. the bad guy is going to come out and scare me, the bad guy has to be like Brock Lesnar, yeah. where you're like, oh, right, there's that thing still. Yeah. Whereas the Bludgeon Brothers, you're just like, you're wearing a sheep, they're literally wearing a sheep mask. But they're just not good. And you're I holding like Harper a, in a vacuum. plastic hammer from Target that's just a Thor hammer that you spray painted. It's not intimidating, it's not working, but I will say, and this is where people fall into this trap, I think, a lot, is just because the WWE pivoted away from the Usos in 2018 doesn't make that the wrong decision. Um, we've seen gimmicks and tag teams and wrestlers get stale. Um, the longer you push them, the longer they have the titles and everything else. So it was fine to move away because um, it left you wanting more. And when you see them reappear in the spotlight, it's uh, refreshing and nice to see them back because you're like, oh, yeah, they belong. They need another spot. And it gets them the, the fans behind them again. But they just made the wrong choice. Like, it just should not have been the Bludgeon Brothers that they tied their uh, – <laughs> tied what is the expression the idiom tied their weight no tied their Their wagon tied their Their... wagon that's it tied their wagon to it's just the wrong one um the bludgeon brothers were not the right pick and there were other options and they chose (laughs) incorrectly which um they're not going to pivot away from because stop me if you've heard this before eric brady but vince mcmahon is a very stubborn stubborn businessman i i I don't think he's gonna do you cm punk yeah (laughs) by the way i was 
Oh, go that famous CM Punk promo from like seven years ago. I was watching that again recently, and it's ironic. He has the line about like CM or about like Vince McMahon's a millionaire who should be a billionaire, and then like that's why I thought of it because your line of like he's very stubborn. His whole thing is like the reason he's not a billionaire is because he's blobbly surrounds himself with these people and blah blah blah. At the time of that promo, Vince was worth like seven hundred million dollars, which is why he said it. Mm-hmm. He's now worth three point something billion dollars. The guy has gone from not a billionaire to like three and a half billion in like seven years. How much? Uh, WWE is huge. So do you think CM Punk is responsible for Vince McMahon becoming a billionaire? We should make that a thing. Someone should <laughs> yeah. put a sign, bring a sign to uh, WWE shows going forward. <laughs> CM Punk should like, you know all the fans who like tweeted CM Punk when he left and was like, how dare you do that? We bought your house and all that dumb stuff. Mm-hmm. When the XFL launches, Punk should be like, how dare you? I bought your football league. <laughs> what would you be more um, interested in? Uh, the Bludgeon Brothers having the same kind of three-month stretch that they've had, or had that gone to the Colognes? Are they in the company yeah, still? still on the roster. That, I guess that would have been better, because I haven't seen them in so long. Yeah. And then, like, that's kind of what Raw's doing with theirs, where it's a basically a team that's been a comedy tag team for their entire careers for half a decade now. And they're like, Hey, let's treat them a little seriously. Let's not have them come out and be like, wow, look at how fierce and competitive they are now. But like, let's have them squeak out a win here and squeak out a win there and somehow earn that shot at people who are allegedly much better than them. And that's an interesting story. I would have given the promos are bad, but the idea of like, Hey, these guys who are like, always the entourage to the actual star are now getting a shot of their own and they're somehow managing to do it. Yeah. I I just, it's not working and I I just, I wonder how much longer they're going to do this, but I, the fact that like SmackDown has the Usos and the new day on that brand, the two best tag teams in the company and the tag title feud is between the bludgeon brothers and team hell no, who are like not really a tag team. Yeah. Daniel Bryan's great. Kane is a legend, but like and we they were attacked five years ago and they just got back together and got a free shot after doing nothing together. Well, the Usos pointed that out, which was, yeah. which was smart. They were which really- was a smart thing to be like, Hey, why do you guys have a title shot? You haven't even had a match of any you kind in five hugged. years. <laughs> All you did was hug. And they GM said, you guys want to shot the titles. Meanwhile, when we want to shot the titles, we had to face like a best of three series with the new day to see who would get it. And right. like, you guys just got handed it. So to then like tease the fans of like, we'll face you guys tonight. And if you beat us, you can also get a shot at the titles, not take away our shot, but also get a shot and then be like, no, they don't get a shot. Also sucks for them. (laughs) Sucks for the team who's busted their ass for the last five years. And literally three months ago had the gimmick of we've been busting our ass and have to earn a shot and earned a shot. And everybody was so happy for them. (sighs) Yeah. Um, what would you put the odds at of the Miz interfering in the Daniel Bryan and Kane title match versus the Bludgeon Brothers at Extreme Rules? Uh, it'll probably just be Kane turns on Bryan. Really? That's like the most generic place for it to go. It has to be the Miz, right? Like, how much longer are they going to do this? Because if SummerSlam is still the plan, that's a month from now. Miz, I hope they don't do Miz Bryan at SummerSlam. It's to. too big for that. They are not going to keep this feud hot for wrestlemania it's not gonna happen they have to do it they, at SummerSlam. what they really needed to do was like not move miz to smackdown in the first place was was keep him on raw so the whole time brian was back and everyone was happy to see him miz was still doing the little daniel Bryan chance and getting booze for it and doing little like 
backstage at a pay-per-view they might bump into each other here and there yeah but like not actually being on the same show there like a backstage promo like once brian returned wasn't there like the miz like staring him down or something wasn't there some sort of wwe.com backstage promo that that sounds like where they do it where they do the stuff for the fans of like hey we don't want to put this on tv but this actually makes sense it would have been a good story I just worry that it's been, they haven't mentioned it enough. They haven't interacted enough. I just, it's just silly to me because this is the the best wrestling feuds, especially because we just saw with Ciampa and Gargano is like these emotionally invested feuds. And it's just, I cannot believe that they're not even really acknowledging the Miz and Daniel Bryan's history at this point. They're on the same show. Like there's a way to do this, to keep fans. Like if you're doing the, in case you missed it stuff to open each show now, which is smart. Um, I just don't know why they're not building and building and building to this, like just a match that everybody's going to be dying to see. Like when it comes to the whole concept of a dream feud yeah. or like a dream match, this is like, that in the most wrestling way possible because Daniel Bryan was retired medically for years. So like as much as you'd be like this exactly while everyone was like, wouldn't it be cool if we saw Cena and the rock someday? Like that's a dream match. And it was, it was great. But this was like literally a dream match in the sense of like Daniel Bryan cannot wrestle. Whereas that was like, maybe if the rock came back, that's a thing that could in theory happen. Whereas this was like, we will never get to see this, but man, would it be cool? Yeah. Everyone's like, wouldn't it just be cool to just see him just punch him just one time? Even that would be amazing. And now he's back and it's just like they don't know what to do with it now that they have all the cards they need. I don't know what they're going to do, but I do know that it's not going to be as big as it could have been. And that's how, on them. how about this is what they'll do? Okay. Daniel Bryan and Kane will not win the tag titles. That I can assure you will happen. They will not. But Daniel Bryan is going to win the tag titles with The Miz. Oh, okay. How's that for a generic wrestling story? Oh, man. The Rock, we, have, the Rock we don't like Cena each other. Did, but They teamed up against The Miz and uh, R-Truth. Or like Cena and Orton yeah. had to like face Legacy. Oh, that's what we could do. Like, let's do Cena, Orton at SummerSlam. I told Will yesterday that I think Cena and Orton should be a tag team in wrestling right now. The idea of these like two guys who have been here 20 years that are barely around especially because if they're not defending the belts just have like one of them on the show each week or every other week even so they each only have to work one day a month but you'd still see one of them every two weeks it'd be a super team yeah and then like if you're going to talk about like oh daniel bryan and kane these two guys who came together to form a team it's john cena and randy orton those are like two of the top 10 wrestlers of all time star wise not necessarily work wise like yeah that's that would be I the tag this team. idea see i love this but we would have to get them there fairly often and i don't know um, <laughs> that's hard with johnson yeah he's like a movie I, star. well i mean he's also got the nikki stuff like he's a he's a busy guy these days it's pronounced nickelodeon but yes he does do he does host the kids choice awards that is right um is he in skyscraper that's the rock no, i can I'm see saying, why he's in confused. it no i'm saying like is i want to see a movie where they like cross pass now he plays the pearl. Mm. He's the building in Skyscraper. <laughs> no. That would that decrease your interest in the movie or increase? Uh, if it was John Cena in like a cardboard suit playing the building, yes. increase. It's the be kind rewind of action films. The best part of all of that is like that's not like a insane thing to suggest for a rock like just crazy 
uh, Transformerian uh, movie. Oh, only John Cena's in Transformers, actually. That's right. That's right. Um, I feel like they'll end up in like a Fast and Furious movie together. What was the one The Rock was in a couple years ago that I really liked? Was it? It was like an earthquake movie. It was uh, San Andreas. Yes, that was fun. I'm gonna see Skyscraper. Like it's gonna be a fun like hour and a half. Uh, John Cena's in a movie that Dwayne Johnson is making. Interesting. Okay. But not starring in. Mm. They're getting closer. <laughs> Once in a lifetime. Once in a lifetime. Maybe. You know, there's that uh, Page movie coming out. Mm. And we know The Rock has a scene in that. Maybe John Cena has a scene in that. Maybe. When is that movie coming out? I feel like they've been promoting that for a long time now. They were promoting that like three months ago, yeah. which makes sense if you're making like a Marvel movie. But if you're making a movie about, oh my God, it comes out in March next year. What? Why they promoted that? They put a trailer up for that eleven months before it came out. Mm. That's weird. Oh my god! But yeah, they need to get Rock and Cena in one movie. It'll be the biggest crossover events of movie history. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Disney. Sorry, Avengers. Do you think Asuka has regained her footing since losing to Charlotte at WrestleMania 34? Now, well, she just tied a man mm-hmm. by running around in a circle outside the ring for ten seconds. That's one perspective. The slap so, man. I like. I, I think I sent you the Snapchat of like the faces of the people once she hit James Ellsworth in the face. Um, it was enjoyable. It, it, it like it. I think Oscar is on her way to reestablishing herself, and I think all that comes down to her beating uh, Carmella. Like she cannot lose because of some sort of schmozzy finish um in two weeks like if she wins then you can go like you have a bunch of natural challengers after her like you have becky lynch who is riding this win streak you have charlotte obviously there you can go up and down the list of just people that i would much rather see oscar defend the belt against so i think as long as she wins uh in two weeks i think she's fine i i would actually hold it off till SummerSlam, just a month because oscar's never been champion on the main roster yet in her years there mm-hmm. So I feel like that's sort of a big thing for her. She's only had one title match in general, right? Yeah. The one at Mania. So. so to get a, this is like her second ever title match. I feel like I would do it at a semi big show if she's going to actually win it. So I think there was, I saw a report that there are no scheduled uh, title changes at Extreme Rules, which kind of surprised me. It's a fake pay per view. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we I mean, know Rusev's not winning, which is kind of sad because he really is getting the natural overness that um, it, it seems like that's the kind of stuff that Vince doesn't like when it's just very organic. And uh, I don't think the point was to get 50-50 AJ Styles, Rusev Day chance going, but you can tell AJ enjoys it. Like, I think he's happy for Rusev and Rusev is cutting good promos and yeah. he's, it's a very serious feud, which is good. And um, he had some good lines and everything like that, but uh, there's just no way Rusev's winning. And then it's yeah. like, what are we doing here? What is he, where and does I, he go I, after that? And I think most of those fans who are chanting for Rusev like wouldn't actually want him to win this match. Yeah, they're happy that he's in this spot, but just happy to AJ Styles is AJ Styles. Yeah, it's smart that they are capitalizing on it. Cause like you said, they don't usually like when a guy gets himself over when he's like not supposed to be getting like. Because wrestling is inherently supposed to be cyclical of who's the star and who's not. You move up, you move down. So when you're getting 
popular out of that cycle, it can somewhat be a problem. So they're doing the right thing now of instead of viewing it as a problem, like, hey, we have this filler pay-per-view no one cares about. Let's give him a title shot on it. Yeah. Let's strike that iron while it's a little bit hot. And then next month we'll go back to booking who we want to be a star. I think it just happened for him because he's big and handsome. He is big and handsome. Like, I think that goes a long way for Vince. Like, okay, I don't like that you got over on your own, but you still have the look that I'm looking for. So I'm going to throw you a bone. Well, he's also not American, so that's going to hurt him. That's what makes the Drew McIntyre stuff so interesting to me is I think... Oh, sorry. I don't watch main event. Oh, okay. Well, how dare you? One. And he's above that. But uh, apparently Vince loves Drew McIntyre. Big shocker there. But um, he's gigantic. He looking... So there was a moment on Raw this week where he and Roman Reigns got in the ring together and they were staring each other down. And I think Ziggler and Rollins were staring each other down. And you just saw... Like, it, it was cool to me because... You can kind of, there's a lot of psychology there where it's like, you can tell that uh, McIntyre and Ziggler, the reason this is working so well for them right now is I do think it's genuine of like, these two guys have been around the block. They've been in this company for a long time. They both know that they're A plus workers, both on the mic and in the ring. They have the look, they have the ability, everything. They have it all, but they've never just had a long-term opportunity to carry the show. And they're staring at these two guys that have had (laughs) the chance to carry the show. Rollins had that long reign and has gotten chance after chance. And he's super over now. And he's the Intercontinental or was the Intercontinental champion and everything else. Like he is still the golden boy. Fans love him, all that kind of stuff. And then Roman Reigns is looking at Drew McIntyre, who like he has to know that Vince likes this guy and that like the biggest threat to Roman Reigns not being the guy in the company for the next five years. It's like Drew McIntyre right now because he's bigger than Reigns. He's a better worker than Reigns. And he's a better talker than Reigns. Like there is nothing Roman Reigns does better than Drew McIntyre. And I don't think that's like an outlandish thing to say. And you look at them together and it's like, yeah, why not? This makes sense. Like give the ball to Drew McIntyre. He has it all. Like I am genuinely interested in a long-term view between these two because while the Bobby Lashley stuff, which is um, not good, and part of that, I think, has to do with the fact that the Reigns-Lashley stuff would make a lot more sense if you subtracted Reigns and inserted Brock Lesnar in his place, because some of the stuff that he's saying to open that show, if Paul Heyman had said that about Bobby Lashley, it would have hit a lot harder because Brock Lesnar was also in MMA and was a UFC uh, heavyweight champion and had a lot of success there. So him calling out Lashley for not succeeding in MMA would have hit harder. And I think fans would have cared a lot more about Lashley and Lesnar than they would about Reigns and Lashley because it just doesn't feel genuine. It feels like they're reading off a script and it feels like, hey, Lesnar's not here. So we need Roman Reigns to pull double duty in two different feuds this week. And it doesn't work. But at the same time, the other feud that Reigns is in with McIntyre, I think, has some really good long-term sustainability there where like i think there's a lot of meat on that bone and i think you can position that feud of like it's this guy who it like he has the look and has everything vince wants and there's this other guy who has also always had what vince wants but it hasn't really panned out so it's like reigns has to look over his shoulder at this guy who's still pretty young um even though he came in the company super young so he's i think in his early 30s still so he's around the same age as reigns and 
Um, for them to pivot away from Reigns to McIntyre doesn't seem that outlandish um, outside of the whole he's not an American. and uh, Yeah, he and, talks funny. Yeah. He's got an accent. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. not as big muscle-wise. Oh, no. McIntyre is bigger than Reigns. What? He's taller. He's not bigger, is he? You, he weighs more than Roman Reigns. He doesn't have a, as nice of a facial hair. Uh, that's true. And he's not as pretty. Oh, disagree. Roman Reigns looks like Aquaman. We need to get some people on the phone right now to clarify whether or not they think Roman Reigns or Drew McIntyre is more attractive. <laughs> <laughs> this is the important stuff. But I think that's what we're here for. Yeah. Um, where's his weight? I all of this is just his height. Um, if you're WWE, you view Drew McIntyre as a guy who has failed once. Do you though? So you're like, hey. Should we pivot away from Roman Reigns? Okay, he to weighs this? ten pounds more than uh, Roman Reigns. And Should we pivot away from Roman Reigns, Reigns to this guy who is older than him and has already failed us once, or do we stick with Roman Reigns? They're literally a year apart. Yeah, he's older. He's one year older. <laughs> yeah, he's an old man. <laughs> okay. Um, Plus, he wrestled on the Indies, so they're like, "Oh, he's like not as good." He had to wrestle in those companies. Okay. Roman Reigns wrestles in the WWE. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's our guy. We made him. This guy was willing to leave before. Can I remind He's you, a... though, what character did uh, Drew McIntyre debut as? The chosen one, Drew By McIntyre. Who? By Vince McMahon. I'm telling you, man, like, and there's then so many callbacks left in a company. potential long-term universal title feud between these two. I think it's money. How many consecutive WrestleManias has Drew McIntyre main evented? Um, hold on one second. I'm going to Google this. Is it the all-time record that Roman Reigns has? Roman Reigns doesn't have the all-time record. It's still Hulk Hogan. Hogan hosted more than five in a row? Yeah, he did five, I think, total. Oh, my Reigns goodness. Four. Well, all right. Well, I'll bring it up next summer, then. Yeah. <laughs> Reigns does five against Brock. Yeah. Hold on. Let me call Will to confirm. Now, Will only knows anything about 1994 wrestling, not the last... Uh... Not who's more attractive. Yeah. Well, no, he might know that. Um... But yeah, I just think that there's a lot there and I want to see it. I want to see, am I crazy for thinking that there is something genuinely interesting between Reigns and McIntyre? I mean, they'll do it because they'll let Reigns wrestle everybody. But like, you know, McIntyre is going to lose and that's going to be sort of the end of his run, right? I don't think that's, I don't know. We'll see. McIntyre's there to be the sidekick to Ziggler. I don't think that's true either. You don't think that's true now, or you don't think that's what he's going to keep I doing? Think he's, I think Ziggler is going to... They're gonna Right now, which of them is the leader of that, that group? McIntyre. What? Yeah. McIntyre doesn't even wrestle. Dolph Ziggler literally like comes out first. Uh-huh. He gets all pumped up, jumping around, and then he just stares at McIntyre. The camera zooms in. McIntyre walks to the ring, and it looks like Ziggler is walking next to McIntyre, not McIntyre is walking next to Ziggler. <laughs> he's taller. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Neither of them are going to amount to anything at this point. I disagree. I think McIntyre has a real shot. I really do. And I hope it happens because he seems like the best dude. So There's too many other people coming up also that are take, like Give better. me McIntyre in 2018 over Braun Strowman every day of the week. What about over Johnny Gargano or Ciampa? Ciampa is like my favorite character in wrestling right now. So oh. probably not. What about Adam Cole? Yes. What? Adam Cole, baby, is not as good as 
McIntyre, McIntyre now? Mm, no. You're you're on the you're smoking some drugs. I like Adam Cole, but I think McIntyre. I, I, I still I know think he's it's better. July DeMaio today, but man, mm, I think he's better. Um, Braun Strowman is going to be spending another summer trying to murder a wrestler on Raw. How has Kurt Angle not stepped in? Because <laughs> last summer was the whole ambulance thing. Yeah, that's when... what I'm saying. Like they rehashed this stuff, and I don't think people recognize this, but that was this was I, like I the best thing down. they did last year, though, which is why they're rehashing it. Yeah, they're just like, so what can we do with Braun again? Oh uh, well, he can't cash in anytime soon, so let's just have him kill somebody every week. Like this is going to keep happening. Like Kevin Owens does a great job of playing the uh, dastardly heel, but like they may have ended a raw like three weeks ago and they did it again and he ran away because Kevin Owens is smart and he's like, I don't want to do this again. And um, he also backed into a parking spot uh, that didn't exist to open the show. I didn't know what was going on there, but dick move, Kevin, don't back into parking spots. Are you a back in to parking spots guy or no? Absolutely. Are you? Are you just saying? Why don't, why don't you back into parking spots? Why? That's not necessary ever. What? It's there's no difference. There is Why a, does it matter? It, it's not a, no because you have you to, either have to back in or back out. No, it's it's a power move. It's like look at me, I can back into a spot. It's like it's it's just not necessary. You don't need look to, at me, I can back into a spot, dude. I cannot. Do you feel you don't sweat a lot when you're backing into a spot where there's a car on both sides? I have a camera that also shows me guides of where my car is going to go based on where the wheels turned. It's not hard to back into a spot in 2018. I feel like it is. I would never feel comfortable doing it. There's no you way. You look at the picture and you turn the wheel and it says, these white curvy lines, that's where your car's going. You go, perfect. I new, Eric Brady. Okay. Well, then get once you have a car like that, you'll realize backing in is just like, oh, all right. No, never going to do it. Or get like a bicycle. Mm, much better idea. Um, but yeah, so Braun is doing this again, except he's actually going to win this feud because he lost the feud with Reigns and he lost the feud with Lesnar. And people forget that. And... I just I have no interest in seeing Braun Strowman feud with Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar anytime soon. I'm I'm out. But he's the yeah he's had a horrible three months. He has. Like his 2017 was really good. Yep. But everything starting with WrestleMania this year has been atrocious. But he loses all the big matches and two two of his last three pay per view matches are the two lowest rated matches in his entire career. He is on the coldest streak anyone can be on. Yet they're going to put him in the main event of SummerSlam. I don't think he's going to be in the main event. He's he's, he's always in the main threat. event. With what? Who else is going to be there? It's Reigns versus Lesnar. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Unless he cashes in. But I just don't see him cashing in like that. That doesn't make sense you don't, for his you character. Don't, you don't have many chances to cash in. That's true. Well, I mean, if, Rain, if they do Reigns-Lesnar at SummerSlam, that's it. Like, Reigns has to win that time. It's the third one. If they don't do it, then it's just, it's never happening. What if it just never happens? It would be an all time just, what the fuck did we what if they just let? Doing? What if they just let Brock retire as like champ? Mm. I do love that Brock is, so people who are annoyed with Brock, I'm like, he has the best like contract that everybody, if they were in his position, would would want. He's 40 years old. He has all the leverage in the world. He's the He's biggest, the highest paid the guy in the company. Yeah. He shows up once or twice a year. He gets paid per match, which perfect for him. He can just be like, eh, I'm not feeling it. He has the title and he can like have those blow ups backstage with Vince and it not matter. 
at all. He just he has all do the you, power. Do in the you world. know how many TV appearances he made to promote WrestleMania, in which he was the main event defending the world championship successfully? I should say I listened to RBR this week already, so I know the answer to this question. Three. Yep. He showed up three times to promote the biggest match for the biggest title at the biggest show of the year, in which he won, and then showed up one more time to say, I'm walking away for now, bye. What the heck? That's amazing. This guy is the best. <laughs> it's just, it's a, it's a great deal for him. Why would he walk away from this gig? And like, why does people think he's going to drop the belt? It's just... It, it's time, but like, I mean, it's he should time, never. But for him, it just doesn't make any sense. If they're not going to ask him, yeah. he's going to always be like, "I'll just keep it." Yeah, I'll see you in four <laughs> months. I'm good. I'm it fine. doesn't mean anything anymore around his waist. Yep. So just let him keep it. I would agree. Um, I think Elias is too over right now to not have anything to do. Like he lost the feud with Rollins, but that was a good feud. It was heated. Fans were genuinely interested in both characters. And then this week we saw him play a little bit of guitar to Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan. Like he should be what they're, they're saying they're doing with Rusev. Or yeah. like, hey, this guy got popular on his own. Let's take that opportunity right now. And we can't give him a title match because that's Brock. Yeah. But so like, let's give him a match with Roman or something. Give let's like something. Put him in there with our top guy that's around yeah. just to show that we view this guy as a star and he's going to be our star for 30 days. Pay He'll Jericho be closing off he Monday wants night. to come back and feed with Elias for three months. That would be great. Like, I feel like all the wrestlers must love him because, like, he, like, worked with Cena at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Also, they should have just run with that instead of having Undertaker there because he's 85 years old. That match was awful. People were talking. The, it was the worst WrestleMania match of all time. The fact that they had John Cena versus The Undertaker, which is the kind of thing that on paper you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. And it was literally one of the worst matches I've ever John seen. It's like, being like unbelievably terrified the whole thing and just like Undertaker hitting his moves at a pace that even the tortoise was just like, you know what? Can we speed it up a little bit? Like, And to like set it up by first having Cena fight with Elias. And you were just like, why don't we just get that for real? Yeah. Like, why didn't you just make that a match? Like, that was good. Those those two people both actually care. Yeah, it they, was. It was, it was everything that was there. The fans liked those two. They were both there. Like, just just go with it. Just give Elias something. He's too good. You have something there. Elias They're is weird. great. He needs something to do. Like, you don't need to have Roman Reigns pull double duty and nothing for Elias. It makes no sense. You have to find something for him, and you're gonna just. Like you don't get guys like him very often, and I just I don't understand why. Yeah, the fact that Roman is pulling double duty makes it even sillier, because you could just have Roman and Seth doing their feud with Ziggler and McIntyre, and then instead of also doing Roman versus Bobby, do Elias versus Bobby right now, and then do Roman versus Lashley after that. Yeah. Um, is it too soon for Cody to come back? Uh, no, it's not too soon. It's just that he's mediocre and people are going to realize that and then they're going to be disappointed that he's not main eventing wrestlemania because he's called the three-star general for a reason he's a dependable worker i just i think he needs to stay away for a little bit longer i don't think it's time to cash in but then again i'm not going to tell dude not to get paid a lot of money so i just he's been great i i'm a 
I'm higher on Cody than you are, but it does seem like Kenny is inevitable. Like he is making too many comments yes. about like it, it. I think this week he said something along the lines of like it would be basically like career sabotage to not jump ship at some point to face the amount of talent in the WWE right now. So like. And the- Kenny's doing a good job where he's proven that because he had the the six star match last January and that got a lot of buzz and got all the rest like WWE rumor mills like spinning around him. And then since then, he's had like three other matches of that caliber and he stayed just as popular, if not more popular, won the New Japan title where he's proven that like, hey, that wasn't a flash in the pan. I am a top star so that if he comes to WWE, they'll give him the AJ Styles treatment and not the Nakamura treatment. Yeah, because if he comes over and gets the Nakamura treatment, like financially, he'll probably be in a similar position to where he is now. It'll maybe be a schedule that's better for someone who lives in Canada to get to tour the U.S. instead of having to go to Japan, Mm -hmm. although it's doing more shows, maybe. But if he gets the AJ Styles spot, that's like life changing. Can I just but that's not a thing they'll promise you Jackson than anyone else in this group. He's 28 years old. It's still amazing to me he's that young. I feel like yeah, I've seen Especially because his brother's like 43, right? Yeah, he is 33. So basically 43. Um, they like look like twins, but they're 27 years apart. Yeah, they're, and there's another brother, I think, that used to be a wrestler too, but he left. Um, uh, Quinton. Yes, Quinton. Quinton Jackson. There you go. Mm-hmm. I think he, was it Rampage? Was his nickname? Yeah. Well, no. Uh, Tito. Tito. Quint- Tito. Quentin Tito Jackson. That's that's right. Um, yeah. I think Nick Jackson has potential star. As a singles yeah, guy, I think he does. Hmm. I Can I be Jeff Vince Hardy. McMahon for a minute? Say it again. Can I be Vince McMahon for a minute? Ready. He's little. Is he though? I feel like he's six two, six three. His brother is uh, Matt Jackson is little. I don't think Nick is. They're the same height. They're they are twins. The same height. He's five ten. Never mind. Take it all back. He is. He's five no ten. <laughs> hey, fuck you. I'm five ten. So be careful what you say. Like, not all of us are like six four like you, Eric Brady. Yeah, but most five ten people wouldn't be like, I could be a professional wrestler, because it's the look is an important thing. It's like being an actor. It's hard to be Tom Cruise when you're that like. Everyone makes jokes still about him because it's like, wow, it sure is surprising that that little guy became an action star. That's true. But that uh, maybe they can do the same thing for Nick Jackson. Hide his real height as they turn him into a star. Like the Kevin Dunn has to work overtime to hide just how short uh, He's Nick eight is. feet tall. <laughs> they like, you know, when you see like behind the scenes footage. Of them, that the like, Young Bucks could pull off like they already do the heavyweight stuff. What if they did? They just stand on each other's shoulders <laughs> and wear like a trench coat. Like the uh, Bojack Horseman, the, the kid, just like kids on top of kids. Or like when they film movies and there's like a super tall like CGI character. Mm-hmm. And what they do is they like have the person have like that tennis ball on a stick coming out of their backpack as they film the scenes. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's where the guy's head will be. So look at that. And then like they CGI like the Hulk in later have him wrestle in like one of those type things and then like in post-production replace him with like a 10 foot wrestler. I like it. (laughs) The idea of having one CGI wrestler. (laughs) What if that's, that's what they should just do with Sin Cara. My God. I wish like DDT had a budget because that's what they would do. (laughs) The idea of a company that has like WWE's budget, but those types of ideas. I'm 
I'm 100% to just, here for that. Just this. have him wrestle in like the green machine like outfit so you can like digitally remove him. Let's call and then just... off and Weiss. They're going to be done with Game of Thrones soon. Yeah. <laughs> Make a wrestling show. <laughs> oh, that would be incredible. I am 100% here for this. The Young Bucks are like... They're great. And, I, and I'm clear, not low on I the Young love Bucks. the Young Bucks. Yeah. Like how you're saying like how I'm like low on Cody. I am not at all low on the Young Bucks. Yeah. But if it comes to like which of these people would not succeed in WWE, I would definitely say the Young Bucks. Being yeah. a tag team already makes it hard. And then they're very like they're very like the New Day ish almost. Yeah. Like it's a very different gimmick, but they're goofy and silly. Amazing though. wrestlers. Like best tag team wrestlers in the world. But when you look at like Cody or Kenny, they have that like polished wrestler attitude and look to them that like Cody, especially, even though he's a bad wrestler, but he also has something that the majority of the main roster just doesn't have right now—the ability to cut promos. Hair. And yeah, because like that's Cody's main thing is like because Kenny's weakness is that he's not a great talker. Yeah, he's not like awful or anything, but he's just always like he, he reminds you like Dan- he's like Daniel Bryan wrestler, kind yeah, of exactly. Daniel Bryan's not a great talker. He always seems like a little off from everybody else you know what's rare but then in the ring he's still just gotten so much better from year to year like wrestlers usually don't improve that much on the mic they either have it or they don't and brian is like a huge outlier there where he got probably all that total bellas he's been filming maybe maybe total bellas changing careers one day at a time so that's that's how they're going to help Kenny Omega. Mm-hmm. It's they're going to start a YouTube series called Total Bucks. Oh, I thought you were going to say and, like he just finds his way onto Total Bellas because yeah, that starts, would be he hooks up with the bro- the brother. No, he starts doing like you know like the Bella brains. He does like Buck brains, and he like asks them like, "What's the chemical formula for table salt?" <laughs> and they're both like, "Hmm, I don't know. Is it sodium chloride?" <laughs> Total the Bella brains, by the way, is like. If you ever feel like you're not a smart person, those videos will make you either feel like you're a genius or feel bad about other people. Or it's like, what's the scientific name for the species that humans are? And they're just like, human pods? You're like, oh no. Oh my god. You'll be like, it's two words. The first word is homo. And they'll be like, homo, oh nope, not that one. And you're like, oh god, you guys are idiots. I miss Nikki Bella on WWE television. Yeah, I miss the Bella twins. No, not the twins. Just, just the one. Yeah, I miss Nikki Bella. Yeah, Brie the Bella, Bella twins. One of Nikki Bella is the Bella twins at this point. Oh my god, Brie was so bad. Maybe she got better. Maybe. But yeah, I think Kenny Omega would be the guy who, if he comes over now, I think they'd be smart enough to be like, put the rocket on him. Yeah. Have him like win the Royal Rumble, depending on when he would show up. Like if he were to show up right now, which he can't because he's under contract. Like say he could show up on Raw this week. I bet come January, he'd win the Rumble. And the easy thing to do is just put him on SmackDown and face AJ Styles. Yeah. AJ, Nakamura, Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Like, but I mean, if, he'll because be... AJ's not dropping the belt anytime soon. Like, I don't think he's losing to Rusev, obviously. And then he's probably going to feud with like, Samoa Joe for the fall. And I don't think he's dropping Perfect. it there. Like, it makes sense to just keep the belt on him for a long time. And then if you want to bring in Kenny, like, that's the guy. Like, you bring in him. And then. And they have that history. Yeah, exactly. And they can actually talk about the history a little bit more than if it was like a tna impact history but the young bucks though the one thing that's a little bit different uh about them so i think a lot about just uh, carl anderson and luke gallows and how they've fared since coming over but 
um, part of the reason that they just they were never going to break through is because they never were can they were just they can't talk and they never a got the opportunity really but they just they didn't really have anything else other than these guys are friends with AJ Styles <laughs> and Finn Balor that was it and the Young Bucks can actually talk they're a lot more charismatic they're much more enjoyable to just watch so it's kind of like that New Day thing where I think the company will be a lot more trusting of just handing them the mic and letting them do fun stuff and i think it would work like i do think they will be treated as one of the top tag teams but i feel like for what they're able to do right now not being in wwe like especially with like merchandise and side projects and stuff i feel like overall it might actually not work out in their favor to join wwe where being a top tag team there might not be as big as everything they can do currently Whereas being a top singles guy in WWE is leaps and bounds above everybody else. Like we talked about like how much Brock Lesnar makes or whatever. Brock Lesnar gets paid far more than the entire New Japan roster combined. Like there's just true? more money. I'm pretty damn sure. Okay. New Japan's gross revenue is like $36 million. But you also got to think of like all the different avenues that they are getting paid. Like right. they have like 17 streams of income wrestlers you mean oh yeah yeah. no not wrestlers in general because some wrestlers i don't think have that many streams but i do think kenny omega the young bucks the Kenny, young bucks, yeah. yeah they have a lot but like new japan only brings in 36 million gross not net mm-hmm. so they still have to pay all of like the buildings that they're renting out and stuff but i would assume that means they don't have a ton of money to give out to people right whereas when you have a guy like brock who's getting paid like 12 million dollars they're not paying people that much money hmm. do you think like, all three come over though I think Kenny and Cody do. And then, like, I think the Young Bucks would if those guys did. Poor I think they would want to hang He's out with their left. friends. He's getting left behind. And Adam Page. Page might come over. Page, I think, Hangman. actually. He, he seems like a guy that they would, like, do something with. I think he's Not really with good. these people, though. I think he has, but I still think he's too young. I would rather him just wait it out and get time to, because he's still a mid-carter on the indies. I would rather him spend a couple more years refining his character and getting a couple world title runs under his belt before he made the jump. Instead of making like the James Storm mistake of like, I think I can be a star now. And then like you blow it. And then the company's like, yeah, you weren't a star. Why would we ever bring you back? Yeah. And now Cody, like it's the right thing with him or Ricochet, like Ricochet waited till the (laughs) just, it took like 10 years before he finally made the jump. And I mean, I imagine, They probably always would have brought Cody back if he wanted. Yeah, but not in this if, kind of capacity. He has a lot yeah, more leverage. He's a, just a bigger that, star That's now. the main difference is Cody probably had in his mind what he's worth financially. Mm-hmm. And WWE could look at what he was worth to them when he was there and be like, hey, this is actually what you're worth. Well, they also wanted so, him to be Stardust. And he was like, I don't want to be Stardust. True. But now that he left and was able to make real money, mm-hmm. he can be like, no, I'm actually worth this. I think he said that like he's going to make a million dollars this year. Mm-hmm. Which is like, if he goes to WWE, that would be like top 10, 15 highest paid guys. Yeah. Whereas they were probably like, hey, want to come back and we'll give you 300,000. Mm. Who do you think is the highest paid NXT guy? Uh, I know Adam it was Cole, right? Finn Balor, but he's gone now. Yeah. I would guess yeah, it Adam could Cole. be Adam. I know like no one there has great merch, right? Because I know it was Finn because of merch. Yeah. Like when Finn was in NXT, apparently he was like one of the top paid guys in the whole company because hmm. the Balor Club stuff was selling so well. Remember Finn Balor? 
Remember Finn Balor? I he's still. I remember. Finn. He's still like they can't not try again with him because They're he's still their number three merch the guy. Daniel Bryan big cast storyline with him and Baron Corbin. Yeah, but he'll sit around for six months. Mm-hmm. But like he's been sitting the around way, for six months already. When people complain about like Cena and Roman, mm-hmm. when you're WWE, what you do is you look at your merch numbers and you go, Cena's number one, Roman's number two, AJ and Finn are tied at number three, and you're like, this is who our audience cares about. Like that's the metric you have. And yeah, it's not accurate because it doesn't take into account like, does somebody have good merch or shitty merch? Mm-hmm. Like Daniel Bryan has shitty merch. Yep. People clearly like him, but that new shirt is garbage. Finn Why are all has the SmackDown cool guys merch? wearing like blue stuff all the time. I hate when they like Smackdown color coordinate. I hate when they color coordinate. Like Sanity has like a bunch of blue on their attire now. It's mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. And uh, Raw has a bunch of red. Yeah, like Monday Night. And Rollins the wrestlers are all yeah. white, so it's a uh, red, white, and blue. Are you saying you don't like that? No, because uh, you know it's the Fourth of July mm. in parts of the world. Maybe not anymore. Not Shit, anymore. you're good. You're good. You can insult America now. Okay. Eric Brady. Always a pleasure. I think that's a good oh, way. Thanks of, for having yeah, me, sir. I think it's, it's a good way of... You, you hating America is always how I like to end the show. Oh, my God. Okay. Bringing out your deep-seated nationalism. Keep going. I'm cutting out the last 30 seconds of this. <laughs> we can find you on Twitter at Eric S. Brady. We can listen to you on RBR Weekly Wrestling Talk, which has a new home on Mixler.com slash RBR Wrestling. Uh, yeah, people can chat with us now. It's fun. Yeah. Or every when every Wednesday night at nine Eastern mm-hmm. and whatever other time zones that means, <laughs> I'm not good at maps. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So we can do that. Great show, and uh, we will talk in soon, man. Thank you. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I uh, just want to remind you guys: if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcast or iTunes, I would really appreciate if you could take a second, leave the show a five star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, Be sure to check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Thank you for your support, and we'll be back with another episode very soon. Thanks, guys. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.